0: Our second reading is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. It can be found on page 968 of the Church Bible, entitled, When Jesus Begins to Preach. When Jesus had heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived to Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jenny. Hello. That was nice. Um... I'm Jack, I'm part of the student ministry team here at Christchurch. Do you want to just turn to somebody around you and just say a quick hello for me? Great. Um, As I said, I'm Jack. Um, I'm part of the staff team here at Christchurch. I moved here four years ago this weekend, I think, and sat somewhere over there, I reckon, and I don't remember very much of the service. I remember the barbecue. I remember Angie Smith was preaching um, back when I was a fresher. So it feels very strange to be up here. Um This term, we're looking at blueprints. We're thinking about foundations for following the way of Jesus, following the Beatitudes um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, It's really exciting. Uh, And today, we're going to be looking at the kingdom of God, which is essential for understanding the whole of the Beatitudes. It's essential to understand that the Beatitudes come from a pronouncement of the kingdom, Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom. And these beatitudes, these blessings of Jesus come from that place. He's basically saying, In this kingdom, the poor in spirit are blessed. In this kingdom, the meek are blessed. Those who mourn are blessed in this kingdom. There are these crowds who followed him, these crowds. And Jesus is saying, You who feel insignificant in this culture, you're blessed in this kingdom. You who feel marginalized in this culture, you're blessed in this kingdom of heaven. And that's why it's essential for us to understand what the kingdom of God is. He's basically um, saying the kingdom of God's here. It's available. It's in you. It's around you. um, It's close enough for you to touch. It's potential and it's promise. And you can begin living in that kingdom right now. The word kingdom is used in Matthew's Gospel over 50 times. So that's about one and a half times per page. So it's super important that we get to grips with it when we study this, this small section of this book. The word kingdom, basically, if you split it in half, means the king's domain. It's the king's domain. It's where the king rules. It's where the king reigns. And ultimately, it's where God's will is done. And Jesus in this passage enters a world, basically, as God, come down as man, where God's will isn't being done. A bit like our own world, really. In the beginning, God gave us a choice. Do we want to be part of his kingdom or our own kingdom? Will we have him as king or will we crown ourselves? And ultimately, we choose us. (laughs) It's what humans do best, isn't it? Humans are just a little bit selfish. It's a shame, really, isn't it? Um, And that's why understanding the kingdom is so important, because he enters this world where there are these these individual tiny kingdoms, people saying, I know best, I know best. And he says, basically, everybody, there's one kingdom. It's here, and you can be part of it. You can come with me. Now, of course, that wasn't particularly welcome news at the time, and it isn't actually probably today, um, because we don't really have to think very hard about the phrase, your kingdom come, before we have to think that it actually means my kingdom go. The next um, bit, if you've got your Bibles open, the next bit is called Jesus Calls his First Disciples. He talks to these fishermen who basically leave their families and their fish. They leave everything they know, everything they've built up in their own strengths to follow Jesus. They know what it means to say, my kingdom go. But we struggle with that because it means change, and we don't like change. And um, those who are new, we're in a bit of a change here at Christchurch. We have a new vicar coming soon. We have had some staff members leave. We have some new amazing staff members who've joined. And change is just uncomfortable. But when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, when he says that, that first bit, repent, means turn around. It means turn back to me. And so if you're taking notes, I love it when people take notes, the first point is this, we need to return to Jesus. We need to return to Jesus. Jesus calls us to turn back to him. When we choose to control ourselves, when we choose our own kingdom, he says, come back to me. Do a 180. Come back into my kingdom. And the whole of the Old Testament, basically, is Jesus, well, it's God, isn't it? It's God allowing his people to return. His people wander away time and time again, and they come back into his arms and Matthew is writing this gospel for a Jewish audience. That's who he's aiming um, to be reading this document. And so he, put, he bungs in this whole prophecy that we read and go, great, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, so it says, the land of and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He's basically saying, before he introduces this message of Jesus, do you remember that guy we talked about a while ago? (laughs) He's saying there was this king who was proclaimed would be coming by this prophet Isaiah, this king who would herald in light into a land of darkness. When we struggle, when we um, are wandering around blinded because we just want to follow our own way, somebody is going to come in and bring light. And Matthew also expects us to know what comes next. He expects us to know the rest of this passage because he thinks we're proper geeks. The rest of this passage is the bit we often read at Christmas. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Wouldn't that be nice? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, (laughs) risky, Mighty God, (laughs) Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's basically saying, there is an amazing king coming, an amazing leader coming. Into this land of darkness, light is coming. Into this land where you all just want to do what you want to do, a king is coming, a leader is coming, someone who will lead the way. And the Jews at the time weren't expecting this leader to be somebody who would take on our darkness. Somebody who would come, see us in darkness and say, you can't handle that, you can't bear that, you can't hold this darkness yourself. And so he, as the king, Jesus, chooses to take that darkness upon himself. He chooses to bear all the things that hurt us, all the things that break us, all the things that we struggle with. He takes that on himself and he dies for us so that we can live in the light. That is what Jesus has done as an amazing king. So we have this amazing king who will rule on the throne of David, who will bring hope, who ultimately saves us, allows us to be in relationship with God again. So this is why Jesus says the kingdom has come near. This is why he says it, because the king has arrived. That king who they were waiting for for centuries has finally come in Jesus. And in many ways, the kingdom is still in the future. There's all that that kind of paradoxical now and not yet nature where we still sin, we still suffer, we still die. But Jesus promises that he'll sort that out. And when the king is with us, which he is, the kingdom is very much at hand. And so if he's the king, we need to crown him. So we need to return to Jesus. We need to do a 180 on our own kingdom. And we need to crown Jesus as the king of our whole lives. Because it's really easy and it's really tempting for us to crown him as the king of Sunday nights. It's really easy for us to crown him as the king of our time in CU or the time in our student group or in house group or our morning daily devotional or the monthly prayer meeting or whatever you go to. It's easy to say, Jesus, you can have that bit. But the rest of it, I'll just just do. I know what I'm doing. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so tempting to say, yes, I will follow you, Jesus, wholeheartedly when I'm around a lot of other Christians. And then when I'm around other people, I'll just do what I do best, which is follow me. We need to crown Jesus as the king of our whole lives and this is something everybody struggles with. It's something that I struggle with. We all seem to have, like, shady shame corners. I don't know why mine's there. It's all the trifle I eat after guilt-eating. Um, we all have shady shame corners, don't we? All little kind of patches of darkness in our lives. The stuff we haven't dealt with. The stuff that we don't want to deal with. The stuff we don't want to think about. Those, those areas of hurt in our lives. Those areas of struggle. What Paul would describe as the thorn in his flesh. That stuff that just, we just can't seem to sort it out. But that darkness is illuminated by light. When Jesus reigns, when his light comes in, darkness has no chance. I was um, home for some of this last week, um, and my grandparents were staying with the family, um, and my granddad was telling me all about the war. It was a joy. Um, and he was telling me all about, yeah, it's really fun, he was telling me all about, it, it really was, um, the ARP. So his dad was an air raid patrol, and he was explaining this to me by saying that he basically, his dad, my great granddad, would go around and make sure no light was showing out of any buildings, because then bombers would see the light, because light will always win over darkness. That's not why he was saying it to me, there was no theological background, it was just late at night, and it was dark. Um, and basically, I mean, it was quite weird. He was in his 90s, and we we're in, we're, were in a room and he was turning all the lights off going, look, Jack, can you see that? That's light, that is. As if I'd never seen light come out of a crack of a door before ever. Um, but I thought, if that is how light works, if light always wins, and there's a reason why Isaiah uses it as an image, there's a reason why Matthew chooses that of all 66 chapters in Isaiah to talk about. It's because light is important. It's because Jesus brings light, and that light illuminates the darkness in our lives. It frees us from shame, it exposes it, and that is sometimes painful, but it's really important. It's why we're so passionate about things like Oasis, and things like our student groups, and things like house groups. Um, Because actually we need that accountability, we need time to discuss the stuff we struggle with. However hard that is, I am awful at it. Let me tell you, awful at it. But it's so, so important. And the other thing is that light is always visible. It's visible to the people around us if we live for Jesus on Sundays and not for the rest of the week. It's visible if they go, oh, I thought he went to church, or I thought she went to church, but they're doing that. It's why Jesus says that we are a lamp on a stand. So we need to live for Jesus all the time, for a whole week. This Francis Chan quote sums it up beautifully. It says, it's crazy if you think about it the God of the universe, the creator of nitrogen and pine needles, galaxies and E minor, loves us with a radical, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. And what is our typical response? We go to church, sing songs, and try not to swear. I see the chuckles predominantly come from this area, that's telling, isn't it? Um, But isn't that true? We go to church, we sing songs, and we try not to swear. This God has taken on all of our darkness so that we can live in light, taken on everything so that we can have freedom, and we just go to church, we sing, oh, come to the altar, and then we just try not to swear. Like That isn't living as Jesus wanted. That isn't giving him everything. That's not crowning him as the king of our whole lives one of the most famous quotes about the kingdom of God is this one. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We need to put his kingdom first. We need to put him first, prioritizing him over everything. And that isn't just about trying not to sin. That isn't just about focusing so hard on trying not to sin. It's, realistically, it's, it's focusing so much on Jesus that sin isn't even an option. You look so much at the light of Jesus Christ that why would you want to do any of this stuff in the dark? It's a a beautiful, beautiful thing that he has given us. And when we choose to live our whole lives for him, we become catalysts for the kingdom. So we need to return to Jesus. We need to crown Jesus as king of our whole lives. And finally, we need to partner with Jesus It's a simple fact. If we all follow the king, then the kingdom will grow. I was chatting to my girlfriend about it, and she said it's a bit like the plastic problem. Once everybody had someone to follow, David Attenborough with his Blue Planet 2, and your turtle's dying, we all started doing things. We all started buying beeswax wraps, and we all started not using single-use plastics. That's when things happened. That's when it happened. And in the same way, if we all follow the king, then the kingdom will grow. We get to reflect his light out And the beautiful thing is he does it, he builds the kingdom, he grows it. It's a bit like that passage, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, where it says, Apollos planted the seed, um, Paul watered it, but God made it grow. He builds the kingdom, but we get to join in, we get to partner with him. The the, the God that Francis Chan described, that beautiful creator of the universe, wants us to play. He wants us to partner with him. I'm a. Um, I did primary ed at the Uni of Winchester. The only primary edders. Yeah. Well, hey. Look forward to lots of like bongos and finger painting and building carousels every Monday morning. Um, and it's great. But do you ever have that kid who comes up to you and goes, "Mr. Percy, do you need any help with your scissors?" Or "Mr. Percy, do you want some help with that laminating?" You know, there's always those kids who just ask for jobs, and you just say, "Like, yeah, your job is to sit down." I'm um, just shush, and I'll tell you what to do next. Um, But it's a beautiful thing, actually, when a kid wants to help with something. So imagine I'm putting up a board. It's it's a lovely literacy working wall. It's lovely. It's got one of those crinkly edges that's crinkly both ways. You know you've made it as a teacher when it's crinkly both ways. It's great. I love the knowing looks of the teachers, like, yes, I love crinkly both-way borders. So I'm putting up my working wall. It's It's got lovely things all over it. And this kid comes up and says, Mr. Percy, can I help now? I could put this board up myself, it would look lovely, it would all be great, you'd get literacy up in the right order, it would all be beautiful. But there's so much more joy in doing it with this child, there's so much more joy in doing it alongside someone else, in teaching them. They will learn so much more by doing it with me than just watching me do it. They will learn so much more, and there will be an investment, there will be a relationship. And it's a beautiful thing. And the thing is, this child could get upset if the crinkly both ways border breaks or if they staple something in the wrong place. I'm not giving children staple guns. don't worry. Um, but they don't have to worry because ultimately, it's my board. It'll get fixed, it'll get sorted. And in the same way, Jesus could just establish himself as king. He could just come down here and be like, Wazam. I don't know why that's Jesus' herald word, but it is. Just imagine. It's Greek for something, probably. I'll ask Izzy later. But he could just do that. He could just say, hello, I'm king. But he doesn't. He wants to do it with us. He wants us to join in. And we can get really upset when church doesn't look right or when we sin or stumble or fail. And there's place for that. But also we can rest in the knowledge that God will build his kingdom. That it's God who does it. It's almost like we're catalysts in a reaction. The reaction will happen anyway. That's nice, isn't it? (laughs) But the catalyst just speeds it up. And obviously sometimes we mess up, and maybe that doesn't feel like that will speed it up, but I truly believe God works through our weaknesses, that he works through those thorns in our flesh, that he um, builds the kingdom through that as we learn how to follow him better through that struggle. We get to partner with Jesus in the building of his kingdom by proclaiming his word, by praying that his kingdom would come. And when his kingdom comes, as it finally will, when every um, knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that will be amazing. But it's not just looking ahead to that. It's now as well. We can do this now. We can be part of this kingdom now. We can help Jesus grow this kingdom now by following him, by acknowledging him as the king. But it does mean changing. It means returning to Jesus. It means looking to him as king, crowning him as king of our whole week, not just Sundays, every single second of every day as the lights in those communities that we live in, those front lines. And we need to partner with him by praying that his kingdom would come and by proclaiming his message. So we're going to actually pray now um, if a band would like to come up. And would you stand? Um, we're going to pray. If you um, would like prayer for anything specifically, we have a, a lovely prayer ministry team who meet over here. Um, they're wonderful. Um, if It might be that you feel like you need to pray about returning to Jesus. It might be that you've come here today feeling far from him. It might be that you've come to uni back, from, back for another term or back for your first term feeling far from him. It might feel that you want to pray that you could return to Jesus and acknowledge him as the king of your life. If so, we'd love to pray for you. It might just be that there are areas of your life that you know Jesus isn't king of, that you know Jesus isn't king of. And actually, it might be that it'd be really good to just chat through somebody, not just for prayer, but how we can um, help you grow in community. Or it might just be that you want to pray for more boldness. It feels like often we say, oh, come and pray if there's something wrong. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is filling up. And so if you would like to be uh, prayed for, that you'd be bolder in telling people about Jesus, maybe um, in your workplace or in your flat or in your lecture theatre, maybe you just want more boldness in that, or maybe you just want to be better at prayer. There are so many reasons why you might want to come and get prayed for but please do. They're just over here. And if you feel like there might be anything that God is saying to you as well, we're a church that loves to hear from God. Um, If you feel like God is saying something, just come and let George and Louise know they're at the front, um, and they will discern if that's right to share with everybody. Um, So let's pray as the band plays. Father God, I thank you that you are king. I thank you that you are king. And as we sing this song, Living Hope, we thank you for the hope that you give us, that that light in the darkness is hope for us in a world where we want to be in control. Help us to give control back to you. Help us to crown you as the king of our lives. And help us, Jesus, to partner with you. Would you call us to things this evening? Would there be people in this room who feel a nudge to something? to do something, to tell somebody about you, to pray every morning, to offer to pray with their flatmates? I don't know. Would you um, help us to dream dreams about how we can partner with you to build the kingdom? Would we not be limited by our own ideas? Would you flood ideas into us, Jesus? I thank you that you are in control, that you rule and you reign, and I thank you that you choose to let us do the same with you. Amen.